7 o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? Striking at mental apparitions like a drunk on a vacant street. Silently beset by the hands of time and delicate in its fury. An aberrant crack is skeleton yield to unrelenting gravity. While viruses prop for helpless victims who suck up rapidly. Welcome to another episode of the Psycho-Semantic Podcast. Welcome first-time guest over here. By no fault of my own, it has been 10 months since we have recorded together. Sure. We had to find the, the right thing for you to come over here and do. Paul. Yes, it's from, me, Paul. Yeah. From Who Will Survive. That is me. I, uh, the man of many podcasts that are all one podcast. I uh, like to keep things a little different, so I do a lot of different styles of podcasts, but... If you want to mix it up and pick different types of movies and do different uh, things with your reviews. So it's nice to come onto somebody else's show and fit into their world instead of having to be the one that's responsible for keeping the ship sailing. You know, going off the rails is sort of our bag over here. Right. <laughs> I don't know why I say our. Well, because we're all in this together. That's yes, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a, a psycho-semantic family. Growing uh, every day. Yeah, so... I mean, we had talked about covering this movie for quite a while, and just because I do so many different shows and you do so many different shows, and it just never kind of made its way into our schedule until now. Sometimes I forget by the end of the episode to ask the person to plug their show. So do you want to give any more information before risking 
<laughs> people having um, to look inside the episode notes. <laughs> sure, sure. I, th- I think probably most of your listeners would already at least know who I am. Maybe they haven't listened to many episodes of my show or not, but I have a show that's called Who Will Survive, and we're on the same network as you on Legion Podcasts. And we also are a part of another network called the Raw Live and Unedited Podcast Network. Marco, my co-host, does a Star Wars one, too, called the Sarlacc Digest that's also on that network as well. I started doing the show with Marco and immediately was like, you know, this is cool talking to Marco and, and I want to talk to some other people. And I couldn't figure out a way to make it so that it fit into our show all the time. And so I started doing that. I called it Friends Till the End. And I had you on for the third episode of it, which now I just released the 12th episode of that show. So it's like once a month. It's very informal. Um, I was trying to do a little more thematic when you came on back in the third episode. And we did our, I think, top five movies to watch while partaking in herbal refreshments. I think that's how we ended up wording it. Yeah, something along those lines. I don't necessarily go quite as thematic anymore, but I like to try to find something about the person that doesn't necessarily come out in their podcasting that, you know, maybe it's a just another thing that they're interested in or something that they don't talk about. The one guest, Joey, was is a poetry writer. Oh, had, uh, Joey from Horror Mafia and yes. other shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had <clears throat> Jerry Herring come on and just talk about like PG-13 horror movies and, and kind of the stigma around that. I had you come on talk about the enjoyable movies under certain circumstances. But it's just, you know, a fun way to kind of get no- to know people better and, and get comfortable with talking to people and, and also sort of expanding my own perspective on life. You know, through meeting people like you and Vanessa and, and listening to people like you talk about stuff is kind of intrigued me to sort of expand even further. And, and, uh, that was one of the things I wanted to say with coming on here is just to sort of thank you and, and her, at least specifically the two of you for, uh, just kind of the way that you guys talk about things really makes me think a little bit more responsibly about some of my, I guess, just my, my thoughts and my actions and, and the way that I see myself wanting to be and it's really sort of helped me try to grow, I guess, <laughs> you know, and for lack of a better way to describe it, instead of just sort of being stuck with like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, a good person, but like, I feel inspired to be better because of listening to people like you talk about certain things. And, and just the passion that you have makes me feel like I can accept more responsibility in my life to be better too. So, so thank you oh. for that. Wow, dude. Yeah, that, that that means a lot. Thank you so much. And, you know, I want to thank you. I feel like an old man. <laughs> I'm like, I see you, you out there, you know, you, you, it is really rad to see you get energized about things that you're passionate about. I, I want to thank everybody that's listening. And I want to thank you because voter turnout in this last election was huge and even in a lot of the places where people that we wanted to win lost they made massive gains yeah want to thank you all for everything that you did and that's part of why it took us so long to get together here you know you do primarily horror and i do politics and october up to the beginning of november is kind of like our Super Bowls are, sure, you sure. know, it's, it's like the Halloween of the political season. 
Yeah. Well, it's also <laughs> Halloween as well, so. And now, you know, Congress is, lame duck Congress is in session for a couple more weeks, and then there's going to be the changing of the guard in January, and we'll see what the fuck happens. But we have, I don't think, I can't remember if we actually said what we're here to talk about. We are. <laughs> I don't think that we mentioned the name of the movie. No, I have referenced a yeah. movie in play, but have not said the name of it thus far. <laughs> We're here to talk about the, I believe, second movie by this director that has been covered on the show. Nice. 1999's Dogma, written, directed, starring Kevin Smith. When you did the uh, the Red State episode, right? Was the other movie you covered by him? And I was like, oh shit, yeah, we were going to cover Dogma, and I, I hit you up back then, but then, like we said, all that other stuff happened. So, so but yeah, this one is, you know, I, the weird thing about me is I don't have a shitload of movies that I have a heavy nostalgia uh, sort of attachment to, but this is actually one that I do have a pretty nostalgic attachment to, and sort of the whole Jay and Silent Bob mythos in general, I, I have a very nostalgic attachment to that whole universe. Fuck, 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 mother, mother, fuck, mother, mother, fuck, fuck, mother, fuck, mother, fuck, noise, 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 one, two, one, two, three, four, noise, 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 smoking weed, smoking weed, doing coke, drinking beers, drinking beers, 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 rolling baddies, smoking blunts, who smokes the blunts, who smoke the blunts, rolling blunts and smoking Ah, uh, let me get a nickel back. Fifteen bucks, little man, put that shit in my hand. If that money doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, owe. Yeah, I was always a, a fan of just them as characters in the movie. You know, when I was younger, and uh, like Clerks, for example, I wasn't a huge fan when I saw that as a kid because it's all dialogue and banter, and it was kind of lost on me at the time because I was younger than the people in the movie, so I didn't really... I was like, what are they talking about fucking sucking dicks? Why do they care so much? And like... Hey, try not to suck any dick on the way through the parking lot. Hey, hey, you, get back here. Like, just get your dick sucked, dude. Shut up. Who cares how many dicks you suck? Like, I don't know. You know, it didn't, it didn't click with me when I was... I don't know what year that came out, but I saw it probably a few years after that in, in my early to late teens or whatever. I was not so connected to that, but just the Jay and Silent Bob characters always stuck with me. I was like, I would want to see a whole movie of them. And then, of course, they ended up getting a whole movie of them. So uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, right? Yes. I which, can't remember when that was. It was I more don't recent. Either. Yeah, it was definitely many years after this one. And this one was many years after Mallrats, I think, too. So Yeah, Clerks was 94, I think. 94 or 95. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I probably saw it around the end of my high school years in the the late 90s you know 96 or something by the time i got to actually see it because things moved a lot slower back then so uh i can't remember if we we've talked about this but we definitely haven't talked about this on this show did you have any uh religious upbringing at all I... any dogma in your past besides the movie well i i grew up uh my family was Lutheran for the most part so we we went to church pretty much on every Sunday and they made me go to like Sunday school and all that stuff but it was all like the Lutheran thing is is pretty strict but it was so much more friendly I feel like than where Catholicism was much more cold nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition you know and so I didn't yeah. necessarily have a bad experience with it but I know 
that I really started to have my doubts pretty early on, like, you know, middle school age, you know, fifth grade or something in that range, third, fourth, fifth grade that I was starting to be like, something ain't adding up here. I don't know. As, as it stands right now, I'm, I'm not a religious person. I, I don't like to say that I'm an atheist as much as I just don't necessarily believe in anything ethereal or, or otherworldly. I guess is, is mm-hmm. it, there's not really a word to quantify that exactly. Cause I feel like atheist is so harsh. It like sounds mean and off putting or something. What about agnostic? <laughs> Nicholas, hello, Reverend Shooter. I want to ask you, would you read a homily at Sunday service? Uh, that might be a little hypocritical of me, Reverend. Oh, you're an atheist. <gasps> no, I'm, I'm, I'm open to the concept of religion. I'm just not entirely convinced by it. You're an agnostic. I think I have a cream for that. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, if you wanted to say that I'm I'm not, um, I'm open-minded to the possibility that there could be something, I just don't believe in it, I guess that would be more agnostic, right? Okay. So they're not like, there is no God, but they're not, there is a God. They're just, who the fuck knows? I was raised through all of that, and then... I went to a really small Lutheran school up until high school, and then I went to high school where it was this big public school, a bunch of fucking kids. I started getting into a lot of trouble, smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, fucking skipping school. And so then, this was 93, 94, the, the method of correcting that was, we're going to send you off to Catholic high school. So then I went off to Catholic high school as an angry youth, and... I developed sort of a a hatred for the whole organized religion system in general through that process. So, have you seen Heaven Help Us? I I don't think so. It doesn't sound familiar. It's from the eighties. It's about nineteen sixties Catholic school, Catholic high school in uh, like Brooklyn. Okay, and it's pretty fucking funny. Um, Like Andrew McCarthy's in it. Kevin Dillon, not Matt Dillon. Uh, Wallace Shawn, do you know Vincini from Princess Bride? Uh, I, I know Princess Bride. I don't know which character. The little bald guy that's in charge of Andre the Giant and all that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He plays a, a priest that does this crazy Wait, speech about lust right before a dance. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, these dances are designed to help you learn to interact with one another in a way befitting young men and women of a strong moral fiber. You're all at an age now when you're perhaps beginning to notice the difference between the boys and the girls. And just as she is at every other important moment of your life, the church is here to guide you. Many of you will be experiencing certain Feelings, feelings which you might be inclined to confuse with love. But ladies and gentlemen, never confuse love with the deadliest of the seven deadly sins. There is a beast living within each and every one of you. A filthy beast whose name is... That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Lust is the beast within you. The beast that wants to consume you and then spit you out 
into the eternal fires of hell, where for all eternity your flesh will be ripped from your body by grotesque serpents with razor-sharp teeth, where for all eternity your blood will boil, your bones will burn, and your marrow will be reduced to a putrid black slime. And for what? For a few moments of weakness that led you to admire the shape of somebody's buttocks. Any questions? And Donald Sutherland plays a monk. It's it's pretty funny. It's not one that you'd necessarily watch with young kids, because it's... Yeah, there's a lot of profanity, some violence, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a Catholic school in the 60s, so you know kids are getting the shit kicked out of them. But, anyway, another day, another movie. So, you were in high school, Catholic high school, and it sort of turned you against organized religion. And that's where I interrupted you. Oh, no, I mean, that that was pretty much... The end of it there from coming out of high school then I was free to do whatever I wanted so I just never was going back to church and then for a very brief period when I was getting married when I was way too young and having my kids there was this this thought of like we should you know get married in the church and get the kids baptized because that's the way that we were raised is that you do all that bullshit for some reason and so I did that because that was what my wife at the time thought was the thing to do. And I was like, whatever, I I guess that seems fine. And now I feel sort of stupid about the whole thing, but whatever. I was, I was young and stupid enough to be married and having a kid and then a second kid all by like my mid twenties. So (laughs) my decision making (laughs) process was a little off. Speaking of questionable childbirth, uh, we start with what our main character, Bethany, at church going through the motions before going to work at an abortion clinic. Sure, sure. Well, it, it starts, doesn't the, the movie starts with the cold open of the introduction of Bartleby and Loki, right? Pretty much just introduces their insane knowledge and manipulation powers of people, which, you know, I, I love their characters in this movie. They're so, like, energetic and, and enthusiastic, but they, they really, like, for being shitty, they're they're very likable too at the same time for like, for some reason you just are very drawn to them. They're magnetic, you know? Yeah. It's, I don't know if it was done on purpose, but that's kind I'm, of course this is my main source of reference for this sort of thing, but that's kind of what I would picture an angel still on earth to maybe be like, it's a mixture of that and, mm-hmm. you know, a fail and Crowley from good omens. If you ever read that book. Uh, no, I, I did not read it if it's a book. It is a book, but it will soon be a miniseries that I think you should totally check out. It's like, I think that it actually says it somewhere in the book, but uh, it's like Monty Python wrote the Book of Revelations. We can either go through this sort of step by step, or we can just bounce all around. What uh, You are my guest. How would you like to cover this movie? I, um, unlike myself, I actually took notes only because... This movie is very dense, so I just wanted to take highlight notes. So we could totally bounce around because that was more, I didn't write down a stream of consciousness as much as just sort of funny moments or, or certain sections of the movie that I thought would be good to talk about. So bouncing around is is fine by me. 
Right on. I mean, this this movie's been out for almost 20 years. I imagine you've probably seen it. Uh, there's probably ways to get it. You can feel a little bit better if you right. were looking to not buy it about the whole Weinstein thing. But I don't know if everybody remembers, but after his rock got turned over, mm-hmm. Kevin Smith announced that he was going to donate all of his proceeds that he made from then on from anything that got put out by the Weinsteins to a uh, foundation in charge of uh, promoting women in filmmaking. So oh, nice. go ahead cool. and feel, feel okay. If you are the type of person that makes, makes those thoughts when you're doing purchases, so, you know, not everybody does not, you know, sure. Sure. Not that you have to, but if you're listening yeah. to this, you might. I guess we skipped over me, but I can't remember if I said anything when we covered Red State, but that's that wasn't as much of a Catholic-centered movie. No, no. I, I, was, I was raised Catholic. I was sort of an altar boy. I went, and uh, there, there would be people that would take communion to old people in nursing homes that couldn't, couldn't go to church. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't a priest. It was a rotation of people. A lot of the times it was actually my mom. She was the one that was Catholic. My dad was Methodist if he went to, went to church at all. And yeah, I went to Catholic school until uh, around junior high, but I still mm-hmm. had to go to Sundays or CCD is what they called it in Catholicism, which I continuing Catholic domination or I, I couldn't <laughs> tell you what. Probably what it stood for but it was sunday school basically and i i was allowed to pick when i was around 12 and i said no there was i think a line in the movie about how uh lannis morissette hates when you call it mythology (laughs) but i'm a big fan of mythology it has sort of that feel of mythology to the way they make this which i think is is sort of a good contrast to the way a lot of the Bible is when you actually put the whole thing to imagery, it, it feels a lot more like Greek mythology than anything else. It's just, there's one God instead of a bunch of motherfuckers. It's, it's just newer basically, but there's, I, I don't know if you had, had seen this and this is a thing that would often come up in theological discussions, but you know, there's a whole, like a whole fuckload of gods that were pretty much had the same story as Jesus. Uh, no, I did not know that. Like Horus, the Egyptian god from, you know, 3,000 years before supposedly Jesus was born, was mm-hmm. born on December 25th from a virgin. Hmm. There was a star in the east. He had followers. He was crucified. <laughs> he rose from the dead after three days. Um, There was, I wrote some of this down. This is not all from memory. Attis in Greece in 12,000 BC, born on December 25th, born to a virgin, was crucified. Krishna, you've you've heard of Krishna probably, mm-hmm. born of a virgin on December 25th. There was a star in the east. He was crucified and resurrected. Wow. <laughs> Dionysus, speaking of more Greek mytho- mythology, mm-hmm. born of a virgin on December 25th. Hmm. Perform miracles like walking on water, crucified, called the Alpha <laughs> and Omega. And there's a couple other ones. 
and maybe that's when all that shit started getting written down because you know people needed mythology to explain where the sun and shit went at night and one of the main theories that i had seen about why there are so many stories like that for the gods Mm -hmm. it has to do with the sun and the solstice and everything and um so the three stars or the three kings or the three wise men or whatever december 20 like 22nd 23rd and 24th is when the sun is lowest in the sky in at least in this hemisphere and then on the 25th is when the sun has started to rise hmm. so many christian holidays and stuff are picked when because of trying to convert people from other religions anyway so, so there's there's a Christian- lot of stuff hmm? christianity is basically like the carlos mencia of religions <laughs> Yeah, a lot of stuff was like, oh, that's that's your special holiday? Well, we have a holiday on that day. And um, so... <laughs> that sounds like something out of South Park, almost. Dum, da, dum, dum, dum. Joseph know. Smith was born a prophet. <clears throat> right. Well, but anyway. There's a lot of um, kind of parody that goes along with this movie that goes to sort of that South Park sensibility or, or any of that stuff of just you know, copying an idea from somebody else and being like, oh, we're going to do it better, you know, because that's kind of the whole thing with the church in this is they're trying to spice up their image and be cool and hip all of a sudden. And they, they have George Carlin as the guy who's going to make them cool again. Yeah, with the Catholicism <laughs> wow campaign. I know. And we get the, uh, the, the Buddy Christ logo that has become sort of a... A little bit of a pop culture, like a little bit of an iconic symbol, I feel like now. Oh, yeah. Buddy Christ was on my Catholicism WoW t-shirt I had. But it, it's a basic story of a movie. You know, the reluctant anti-hero mm-hmm. has to go to make go on a quest. Sure, sure. To stop somebody from doing something. <laughs> yeah, the reluctant gunslinger. Yeah, well, and I like how it has that simple story. And really what makes this movie is... All of the dialogue and everything is, is so well written and executed. Just sort of intermixing of all the different characters that we get through this movie makes it even better, too. You know, because outside of the the great uh, Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck roles, then we have all these different people that they meet along the way. So we have the, the, the main character, but all the, the secondary people, I think add so much to it as well chris chris rock as rufus Mm -hmm. alan rickman i love him and everything at one point he was doing one of these monologues and i was thinking i bet that he just nails these things on one take every time they're (laughs) like what's what's the lines okay yeah give me the line all right good and then he just rips off like a five minute monologue and they're like okay that's good do you get it all right we're good (laughs) like doesn't he just he seems like he's that good doesn't he uh, I never looked really into him, but he's always, he seems like the kind, and maybe, I hope this isn't just my Americanness, but I assume that he's a Shakespearean trained actor. And mm-hmm. I hope it's not just because he's British <laughs> <laughs> or was British. Um, well, like, sure. you, know, you don't stop being British when you die, mm-hmm. I, I would imagine. Absolutely. Uh, you had started to mention about our, our lead character here that we meet her working at the abortion clinic. Um, I forget her name. Bethany or the actress? Bethany, yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we'll go with with actor na- actor character name. So, okay. We meet her at the abortion clinic, but then that's also where 
we meet Jay and Silent Bob in this movie because they come in to rescue her when she's about to get attacked at the abortion clinic, which <laughs> the reason they were hanging out there is because they like to pick up loose women outside the abortion clinic. <laughs> Why else would they be here in this like the fuck? Right. He refers to Silent Bob as Lunchbox, and I think it's the only time that he calls him this in the movie, but he calls him that in several movies, and I, I don't remember if it was ever actually explained why he refers to him as Lunchbox all the time. I don't know who those kids were, but they would have kicked yours and Lunchbox's asses if I hadn't represented. I don't think they ever say. I, I think, think it's, he's, a, he's shaped like a Lunchbox. Maybe. He's got a lot of food <laughs> in him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always, always love that he calls him Lunchbox. I don't know why that makes me laugh. <laughs> I love that they're best friends. Yeah, I feel like Jay does not get everything in one take, and he just probably spews off an insane stream of consciousness, and they have to edit the shit out of him to cut it down to something usable. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's what his line delivery is like. He just goes off for like 20 minutes, and then we got to cut this down to five minutes now. He seems like he can go forever. I like that they were in Illinois because they were looking for the town that all the John Hughes movies takes place. <laughs> There is no Shermer in Illinois. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a nice touch, too. Yeah. So, of course, this being a Kevin Smith movie, the prophets that are going to take the religious hero on the quest are stoners from Jersey. Sure. And that's where they have to, where the church is that she has to go to stop the angels from getting into the church, which is, I guess, sort of the spoiler of the whole thing that. They, uh, well, they don't even, it's, it's kind of pretty much introduced right away. That was in the cold open where they got the, the letter that tipped them off saying that they had this loophole to get back into heaven because they were disgraced from God and kicked out. Yep, leave it to the Catholics. And, and by the way, they, they right. do a lot of talking in this movie about how, you know, God's cool and all that. But mm-hmm. I mean, the, some of the stories they do tell about God still make, them sound like an asshole sure you know yeah. they they make the rule that you can't get drunk mm-hmm. or can't even drink uh they had no genitalia yeah that's not cool that's not cool <laughs> and you know i guess old school versus new school god but i mean god killed so many people back in the day and sure. I, that's you know the the basis of the story you know loki quit being, yeah, yeah. you know, talked it talked into quitting at behest of a friend who ends up going way off the deep end by the time we're done with this movie. Sure. Well, that's what ends up you were kind of alluding to that they, they sort of built up this resentment where the humans get all these breaks, but God basically treats them like shit and they have all these super harsh rules and, and everything is very strict for them and kind of shitty. And if they make one mistake, then they're completely disgraced and shunned. And they're like, but you know, people fuck up all the time and they get let into heaven anyways. <laughs> all the you know, time. It's, it's not fair. And they develop this resentment and they sort of reverse their roles a little bit. They kind of go where they're teaming up at first and then they reverse their roles to where Bartleby ends up being the angel of death and, and Loki is resentful but not going all the way to just straight up murdering people well not murdering everyone blindly so (laughs) there's definitely a lot of murder in this movie though oh so much when on their quest (laughs) of course they've got to go with the old school wrath of god seven deadly sins sort of stuff so they find a false idol The golden calf movie that is part of the 
view mm-hmm. askew universe or whatever it's called. <laughs> um, and and that that is probably one of the cooler scenes after they're in the the gun shop, totally just talking about killing people, and the guy is totally cool with all that. He just he just wanted to sell his gun. Bartleby is, I guess, I see they're called watchers, but if I feel like he just knows everything everybody's done automatically, like they're a collective hive mind sort of thing. Sure, yeah, like a like an omnipotent presence or something. Yeah, and so he goes down the list of all the horrible shit that a lot of people that get that high in corporate America right. have similar skeletons in their in their collective closets, except for the mm-hmm. one, you know, the one lady that's that's innocent, but. What? But you didn't say bless you when I sneezed. <laughs> yeah, he was about to murder the one lady <laughs> that was pure just because that. Well, and that was the, they really had sort of amped it up because they had had turned their back on killing people, but then decided to. They were just going to take out some bad people for fun before they got pardoned by the loophole in the Catholic religion, which, of course, you know the church cannot uh, cannot make mistakes, but. The Catholic Church does not make mistakes. Please, what about the Church's silent consent of the slave trade? And its platform of non-involvement during the Holocaust? All right. Mistakes were made. I know, and, like, could Carlin be any better as the cardinal of a church? Like, he's just such a smug asshole. Just so witty. That's so much, I mean, he fits the role so amazingly. Yeah, he's got so much great shit about religion. That is, is... He does, yeah. One thing I do have nostalgia for is, is growing up watching a lot of George Carlin comedy hours. So that might also have sort of shaped my view of the Catholic Church as well. So, <laughs> No, man, it, it's fucking crazy. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't hang out with a lot of the Catholic kids, uh, but the, my best friend... I think he was Methodist or whatever. And I brought him to church with me once and he Mm -hmm. was, he didn't say this because we were probably nine or 10, but he was like, what the fuck is going on? You know, there's all the weird ritual stuff. uh, What serendipity says, you know, you don't celebrate your religion, you mourn it. And it is, (laughs) I don't remember ever being happy at church. So that definitely plays into it. But yeah, it's, it's so archaic and I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw but there was a big gathering. I don't know if it's technically a conclave. I don't know if that's just when they pick a pope. But they had a big meeting of all the CEOs of Catholic or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And the they were instructed to not do anything more about the whole sexual abuse thing in America. I did not see that, but I'm sort of not surprised. Yeah, right? The new pope might not be the Nazi pope, but low bars. There are low bars all around. Um, I mentioned serendipity, but how awesome. I don't know. This this was a gift from the gods when we are introduced to Selma Hayek as serendipity (laughs) doing a dance to Candy Girl. We've already met Jay and Silent Bob and begun the quest to New Jersey. In between there, they meet Rufus, Chris Rock, the 13th apostle. Right. Left out because he was black. And I like that they, that his character seems to talk about, and Serendipities too, look at who wrote the books. 
right, right. <laughs> and see what sort of power structure they're trying to maintain mm-hmm. and parse it out from the stories i like when they when they get to the strip club here is great because they have this little like this little showdown thing between uh, a group of would-be street thugs they look like or or some sort of uh, gang members or something as they all have the same color bandanas, right? Yeah, they're, they're some sort and of they're, crew. They're trying to outbid each other, but then because Kevin Smith is able to, Silent Bob is able to outbid them, then they win the respect of the gang members and they end up hanging out with them and they become official gang members from then on. Yeah, they made me and Silent Bob part of the gang. I think the head of the gang is the guy that plays Hooper in uh, Chasing Amy. Okay. I didn't look it up. I maybe should have, but I'm pretty sure it's the guy that played the the gay black comic book writer. Serendipity when she's explaining about her writer's block from being a muse. And I can't remember what is uh she said nineteen of nineteen of twenty top films <laughs> of all time she had written besides the one about the kid where he, the robbers were trying to break in and he she was basically alluding to home alone. I can't remember how she described it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was pretty funny because it was like that he took some sort of a shot at Home Alone. I don't know if there was some sort of history there. Or he just thought it was funny. At this point, I think that we pretty much have everyone that we're traveling with, right? Yeah. And we, we get the part of the story where they explain that Bethany is the scion, which means that she is uh, a, a descendant of Jesus. I think that was what she was, you know, a, a great, 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 great relative of him somehow. Yeah, because of the, the gap in the years right. covered and, in the Bible and the whole Da Vinci Code type stuff. Right, and and Rufus gave us the explanation of this. And earlier, he had, had let on that Jesus was actually a black guy, but they just changed his race in the Bible because it was more fitting to white people for Jesus to look white, right? So then she runs off uh, all, all upset. She runs off into the water and comes out and we get some nice white shirt with wet boobs. And to uh, to pay tribute to our friend Court, I said, thank you, movie. And Alan Rickman <laughs> comes back again for his monologue. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't catch it the first time that he came, but then the second time... And he's wearing the hoodie with the jacket over it. And then Bartleby and Loki are also wearing hoodies with jackets. I'm, I'm assuming that's like the costume of angels in human form. Is that they have to wear like a hoodie and a jacket to cover up their wings somehow. Probably. And the hoods so. seemed a little bit more pointed, like monk hoods. Mm-hmm. But he's always wearing like a nice jacket that ends up, he gets like shit on his <laughs> jacket every time and gets all pissed off about it. When the head explodes and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yanking gods, and God is a different person to everybody in this movie. During the talk with Serendipity, she says God is a woman. They had mentioned God as a man, and then she gave the whole thing about, you know, of course they changed God to be a a man in the Bible because, you know, men control the world and whatever. And I, I thought that was actually kind of interesting that they almost make it that God isn't necessarily a gender, which if I was to believe in a God, I would like to assume that God would also not be a specific gender either and would just treat everybody as an equal because he would be everything. It would it would make more sense in the 
God mm-hmm. God created people in their image sort of thing because there are so many different people. But dealing with the mythology, mm-hmm. it's it, it is an interesting point that she says about all the horrible shit women have done in the Bible. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Yeah, those weren't all made up. Well, I mean, the stories were all made up, but all those things that she <laughs> cited are horrible things that were done in the Bible. Sure. That was also where the, we get the information that the reason that God isn't just taking care of Bartleby and Loki is because he's missing and hasn't, he, she hasn't returned to heaven. They Wait. kind of figure out that he's, he's, he's trapped, like he's not dead, but he's not alive, somehow being detained or something. And so that's why Bethany was brought in to sort of help and all this was, was revealed to her that she was the scion and was the, the legacy of Jesus now. So. And, and anybody that watched the movie is uh, clued in a little bit more than the people in the movie because you start to wonder maybe that's who the three roller hockey demons that work for Azrael <laughs> beat right. the shit out of near the beginning of the movie. Sure, sure. And I guess we could we could backtrack here to actually talk about Azrael because that's another cool character that I, I feel like this movie, it suffers a little bit from being too long and dense because there's so many characters and so much that you're like, oh, I, I would love to see more with that whole thing. But it's already over two hours long for a comedy movie is a lot, you know. But yeah, I, I love his he's sort of like the disgraced demon that was in heaven and got sent to hell. And now he's sort of disgraced by there and he wants to get back into heaven. And I love that they have he he takes over the house and then he cranks the air conditioning because uh, his sweet pleasure of uh, actually feeling cool for a change. He hates hell so much that he would rather not exist than go back. Azrael is a name that pops up a lot, but uh, I think more fitting for this movie Azrael in the Hebrew Bible, Azrael is the angel of destruction and renewal. Okay. And uh, another one that I I looked into because I was curious. Bethany, our main character, Bethany is the name of the city where Lazarus was brought back from the dead. Possibly Christianity's first zombie. But anyway. That's awesome. I don't know. I like to nerd out about little things like that. Well, yeah, you know he's going to throw 9 million Easter eggs into the movie. It's just everyone's name is going to have some significance. Or I'm sure that if you if you looked online for uh, you know five minutes, you would probably find a whole list of all the Easter eggs in the movie. And they still wouldn't have all of them probably. So, And they uh, do the joke about the holy bartender. They shoot the, the bartender up and the whole place. And... I was at this point. I was thinking that this is kind of like the most horror movie that Kevin Smith made before he started making horror movies. It, it might even be the most horror movie that he has made. Yeah, I mean, he's got the the shit demon. He's got right. those weird ice skating demons. A couple, of, you know, and Jason Jason Lee, the demon. Right. Um, that chest shot with the blessed golf club because they tried to get George Carlin to be. Be cool. And he said, fuck you guys. Get out of here, basically. (laughs) So for revenge, Silent Bob stole his golf club. Yeah, that was awesome. And then, of course, it kills a demon because the golf club is a blessed instrument. And they they use that a couple times. They have Bethany, like, bless the water, and then they dunk the kids' heads in it, and it it melts the demon kids' heads as well. So it's really close at this point. Oh, yeah, before he gets 
driven into non-existence. Uh, he turns on the TV and Dante from Clerks mm-hmm. is reporting the mass genocide taking on at the St. Matthew's Church or whatever it was called. Well, yeah, because they had got there and then at their the, sort of the last sort of final hurrah, Bartleby just decided he wanted to start terrorizing and taking out people all over the place and just sort of letting out all this pent-up aggression that he had, I guess. Like, <laughs> just dropping people. I know. Well, and that's where you get even even more horror, right? Now you have fucking people exploding on the ground and shit, being fucking... stabbed and killed and <laughs> wings cut off. Yeah, I like the wings. I like the the effects on the wings, especially the, the blood dripping off. The, uh, yeah. The, yeah. And he shoots the wings off of them, the fucking Uzi. It goes pretty insane where, you know, through this last whole final segment here, there's just so many people that are, are killed and and violence. And, and I mean, a lot of it's gun violence and stuff, but I, it feels so much like a horror movie to me that just has a lot of comedy in it as well. And there's so much exposition in this movie, but you never feel like you're being force fed all the exposition because everyone is so good at delivering it. It's like a, it, it just comes off as conversational more than anything, you know, there's a lot of walk and talks. I don't really have a problem with Kevin Smith dialogue. So I, they're, one of the criticisms that I feel like people have of it is that, mm-hmm. you know, people don't talk like that. But, I mean, very intelligent, verbose people do. And I, I think this is one of the movies. I don't think it doesn't work in any of his movies. But I sure. think with the grandness of the biblical epic, this is one of the places where his dialogue seems to fit in so well. Yeah. Well, and also it's a fucking fictional movie, so it's definitely well constructed in that way. And and I, I've always liked his, I haven't seen many of his newer ones, but I've seen all the older ones and stuff. And that's really sort of his strong suit is that dialogue. I haven't seen yoga hosers and Tusk. Did he do Tusk? Yes, yeah. Okay. I haven't seen either of those either. Those are the two I haven't seen, but I'm sure, sure. I'm a big fan of Red State. I like Zach and Mary make a porno. Uh and then, you know, back back through Clerks 2 was I I won't say I won't ever watch it again, but I don't know. It sort of felt like he wasn't all the way into it or something. Yeah, I feel like I I watched it a couple times and I thought it was super funny, but I've never gone back to it. Because I feel like it was just, it was one of those types of movies where the jokes work, but they don't stick with you. They're not, it's it's like kind of cheap jokes and and stuff that works kind of lowbrow humor more so than anything. Yeah, I, I like the the repressed virgin with the crazy religious mom that talks about pillow pants, some sort of <laughs> demon that'll bite off his dick or something like that. You know how every girl's parents put a pussy troll in them when the girls are young to keep them from having premarital sex? Sure. Well, Myra's is named Pillow Pants. And so, even though she totally wants to have sex with me, Myra says, if I put my thing in her, Pillow Pants will bite it off. So, I gotta wait until Pillow Pants gets peed out of her body on her 21st birthday 
before we can have sex. And Myra told you this? Boyfriends and girlfriends talk to each other about sex stuff, Randall. You'd know this if you ever had a girlfriend. And, uh, I mean, I'll watch anything with Rosario Dawson in it, though. Oh, yeah, me too. I've been, like, in love with her since kids. <laughs> I guess if if you want, we can we can go to, like, the end of the movie here, but then if we want to bounce back to just some of the funny moments here, but we're kind yeah. of almost at the end of the movie here, so. Yeah, I figured we'll do, we'll do the end of the movie, take a quick break, and then get back into, yeah, a more general. Sure, thing. sure. Yeah. At the door of heaven, or at the door of the church to be allowed back into heaven, then they pretty much get stopped by by God at the last minute. No stairway. Denied. Now, did you feel like this was a little bit of one thing that I would criticize in the movie was they just happened to figure out where God was, which was the guy that was laid up because the, the demon rollerblade hockey kids beat him up. They just all of a sudden was like, "Oh, you're gonna be laid up like that fucking whatever guy that that Jay says." I don't. Uh, know, I can't remember John, what he calls him. John Doe Jersey. And they're like, "What John Doe Jersey?" And then he tells the story, and they're like, "Oh, that must be God." It was. It just seemed way, way too convenient that way of everything being much more difficult. It was a bit of a Deus ex machina. It. I guess also maybe if it's hard to when when thinking under that level of stress, but. They do mention it when she's at church at the beginning of the movie. So mm-hmm. Maybe maybe something like that triggered in her. I wonder why I've been thinking of yeah, or been told this per- told about. But yeah, it is a little bit okay. The movie's over. How are we? You know. <laughs> yeah. How are we gonna hurry up and bring God back at the last second? And I like that it was pull the plug because the Catholic Church is totally against that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're against the, they're they're against euthanasia at least. Sure, but yeah, so they they had to basically God said, God's human form has to die so that the soul can return to heaven immediately and then you know do whatever God will do at that point and so immediately comes back to heaven and then comes down and stops them from coming through the church doors and it is our very beautiful Canadian goddess Alanis Morissette is actually the form of God as we see her. I but was going to make a, isn't it ironic forms. joke? And I guess I, I kind of did. It is a little bit ironic, right? Don't you think? I, I like that they settled on that being the form because there was the whole thing about is, you know, God's a woman, God's not a woman or whatever. And so obviously God can be whatever because it was just an old man that was out playing a ski ball or whatever. Ball. So I guess God could be any sort of human form, but chose to be Alanis Morissette at that time. Hey. I mean, she does have a powerful voice. And that's where we get the, uh, speaking of our friend Court, <laughs> anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence. They cover their ears right about now. And uh, I couldn't help but feeling like when when uh, God does the thing where, you know, Jay's going on and on and, and swearing and talking to shit and doing <laughs> his, his Jay thing. And she, what did she just like give him a, a tiny like kiss or whatever? And then he passed mm-hmm. out. Yeah, she like puts her lip on his, or his her finger on his lip, and then yeah, she gives him a little kiss. So he passes right. out. And I, I was like, is God just so powerful that basically that was like having sex like a million times, but getting a kiss from God like that was what he passed out from was like having a thousand orgasms at once. Maybe. The in my pants. 
It's perfectly normal, nothing wrong with me, but we're going to need a cleanup on aisle three. That was my interpretation of that. Was that's a, that's a different uh, different spin on <laughs> Oh Come All Ye Faithful and Sleep. That was always what I thought it happened like. Basically, God is so powerful that if he gave you the tiniest kiss, it would be like having sex a million times with a regular person. I imagine it would be pretty intense. Because then he wakes up and he's all like smiley and, and, and sort of groggy and shit. <laughs> the quietest he's ever fucking been. I know. Um, and then the, the one other thing we see from God is uh, because uh, Bethany got, what, she got stabbed or, or something or shot. I can't remember, but somehow the... she... The light of God leaving the body shot through her. Right, right. That's right. And uh, God did the the rubbing her hands together, Mr. Miyagi thing, right? <laughs> yep. To heal her. And so then I, I came up with, tell me if I'm crazy, but I came up with this sort of like fan theory thing that in the movie The Karate Kid, that Mr. Miyagi is actually a human form of God because God can be in any different form that he wants to. Ooh. And that's why he was able to do that power. I do that all the time, and it doesn't do shit. Sometimes it doesn't even warm up my hands. Pat Morita seemed to be about as happy as they depict God in, in this. Happy go lucky. <laughs> right. So I think there's something to that. But no, I thought it was funny because they, they referenced Karate Kid because it was like, wax on, wax off, or whatever. Uh, what? Uh, what else? We, I guess the only other thing we missed was she is no longer the last scion after getting the Miyagi treatment. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, to bring up another ironic thing of the movie was that Bethany worked at an abortion clinic and she was disgruntled because she wasn't able to have kids and her husband left her because he wanted to have a family. And and then ironically, she ends up working at an abortion clinic for someone that is not able to have children, but then ends up carrying the next uh, the next scion or next re- relative of God, I guess. Relative of Jesus, yeah, uh, the next, the next Slayer. I don't know how, how what they would yeah. be needed for, but yeah, it's full circle. Almost like it was a happy ending, but almost kind of not happy because then she just became religious again. And I was like, ah, oh, you were about to not be religious anymore. But I guess if I had that much proof that God was real, then I feel like I could probably be religious. You know, like like Rufus says, the difference between beliefs and ideas. Mm-hmm. Be a little bit more fluid and open to shit with an idea, because beliefs is what got everybody fucking killed in the Crusades. Right. Rufus was also, wasn't that George Carlin's name in Bill and Ted? Yes. And yeah, I, we, we will get a little bit more into some, some more specifics or s- things that are more specific to us and our tastes. Sure, but sure. that that is pretty much dogma in a nutshell. And yeah, God saves the world and I've, undid all the uh, all the killing and everything too, or at least cleaned up the bodies. Sure, <laughs> we know he's you know he's got the power to do it, or she. So they, we'll go with they. That yes, way, they. it'll cover cover it all. <laughs> we we will continue covering it all when we come back from this little break. Hey, Paul, what I was thinking is that 
we need to cut a promo. Yeah, I've been working on some ideas. It's just I don't really know where to go with it exactly. What if I got like a filter where we could just kind of talk normally and we can have kind of a script, but then yes. I can I can like filter it so that one of us will have one kind of voice and then one will have the other. I want to put my request, make me as Freddy Krueger. Can you do that? Maybe instead of the voices, what if we tried to like write a skit, develop a whole thing and we have a backstory and, but well, I don't know, that might be kind of too long. So well, like screeching cars and explosions and fireworks. and Yeah. And, yeah. Well, what about, I like it. Maybe instead of, you know, doing a filter, we could just like reach out to Robert England himself and maybe Ooh. he can, you know, just record a promo for us sometime. Do you think, I, I mean, we I, might have to like raise some money. We can do a Kickstarter and we could just throw it out to like Robert England and you know sure, just sure. just all kinds of actors and and I think people will do that. I think. Sure. Why not? Well, you know what? I don't know. Maybe we're overthinking this whole thing. How about if we just tell people where to find us? I like that. You can find us at Who Will Survive on iTunes, Stitcher, on the Legion Podcast Network, and on the Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network. Also on Facebook and Instagram under the same name. Oh wait, can we do it? underwater oh, with that, piranhas killing me that would kind of be brutal and if that doesn't work then you can do the regular promo all right well just get in the water and i'll go get some fish all right cool If you couldn't tell by hearing us talk, we are back. Uh, a couple little little tidbits. Dogma was the third highest grossing film in its opening weekend. Behind right. The Bone Collector and some other movie that I didn't write down. I think it was Pokemon, but maybe that's just because I saw the mm. new Pokemon commercial. <laughs> this is back in 1999. Mm-hmm. So it made $8.7 million in its opening weekend, but it ended up grossing over $30 million on a $10 million budget. So that's that's pretty good. And some some hardcore Catholic groups did come out as all pissed off about it, but uh, it was not destroyed like the Catholic Church sort of did to the Golden Compass when it came out. 
Yeah, that's good for uh, you know, basically independent movie that's yeah. super raunchy and disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> one one funny scene that I thought it uh, was with Bartleby and Loki when they're riding on the bus together. I think you know this was pretty early on when they maybe hadn't even actually killed somebody yet when they were just kind of building up the idea of killing all these sinners they were going to go find the the movie corporate people and they're having this debate about people's sin and whatever and they see a guy making out with someone and he, he thinks that the guy's a sinner and he asks him if it, you know the guy the girl's his wife and he says no and so then he ends up shooting the guy right yeah that's the first at least on-screen kill of theirs right and uh, I, I just thought it was great because they were having this debate about, he's like, oh, no, you don't know that guy's story. He's probably not a sinner. And he's like, no, he's definitely a sinner. And, and you know, Bartleby can tell, but he won't tell him. And so he, he basically gambles. And then he gets the guy to confess that he's a sinner. No married man kisses his wife like that. Are you stoned? And after he kills him, then they get off of the bus. And then to celebrate, he starts doing the, the theme from Martin. Yeah. And, like, dancing to celebrate and, like, taunt him. I thought that was just amazing. Whose house? Yeah. He's even doing the little dance. When Rufus was explaining to Bethany about that he could see things from her past and that he knew shit that she had done. And then he had told her something. I, I can't remember if that is that he let she let a kid piss in her hand or piss in her hair when she was five. But I can't I, remember what he said. I could never tell either. Okay. Actually, <laughs> so if he says hand or hair. When you were five, you let a kid from next door piss in your hand. Ew, you did that shit. Yeah, and I'm like, well, that's definitely fucked up either way, but it's more fucked up if she let a kid piss in her hair. That's a little bit more <laughs> weird than pissing in your hand. <laughs> but then what do you do with it if it's in your hand? If it's your yeah. hair, I guess it's just whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and Jay was like, ew, you let someone do that? You're nasty. Uh, yeah, I like how he just refers to her as their girlfriend from then on out. Watching it now, I was like, oh, man, it feels a little bit kind of rapey in a lot of places because Jay is so over the top with his pushing sex on her and everyone. And I'm like, oh, God, it, at, at one point I thought this was funny and it almost feels a little bit gross now, like it's so over the top. But you're also just like well that's kind of what jay's character is is he's that guy yeah and you get to see they sort of address that a lot more in jay and silent bob strike back anyway but yeah that one's good too well that i was i was suggesting that we do a jay and silent bob trilogy and we could do that one and and mall rats with uh mall rats you have the uh you know obviously economic and corporate greed and and retail and all that is a, a sort of a small part of that, I suppose. And then uh, the other with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, it's all about the entertainment industry. So, yeah, and eco terror, eco terrorists. Yes, yeah, yeah. So there, we've got it. Yeah, dude. If right. you are down, I was gonna say that you are definitely invited to come back if you feel like it, and I am only asking you on air so you feel more obligated to do. Sure, so. sure. <laughs> yeah, I always love doing these guest spots because I feel like I don't have to be so in control of the show as much as i try not to drive the show too much it's sort of a habit since i'm not used to being on other people's shows so much that's one of the cool things that one of the serendipitous things that happened with this show was mm -hmm. ending up without a co-host i get to have a lot of different conversations with a lot of different people and 
It's it, it might be a, a little hectic with booking sometimes because you can't really set up a routine. What Was there anything else about Dogma that you would be remiss in not having mentioned? I don't have any other like super specific things. I just think a lot of stuff that we've been talking about, the, the way that the dialogue is not only written, but the way that it's delivered by everyone in the movie I mean, you know, we mentioned all the the top notch actors that are in this movie and the the quality that you get out of it, and it's it's one of those movies where it's not joke 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 where you're just laughing constantly through it, but you're always very engaged and and amused by everything. It's more of like an amusement comedy than a, a, a you know rolling on the floor laughing type of comedy. But that's the kind of stuff that I like where it's, you know, not in your face as much, but it's it's very like subtle or or just through the dialogue like that. So it's it's very almost close to being a horror movie with a lot of practical effects and a lot of sort of mythology and and supernatural type of stuff that's going on here. Obviously, religious horror is always a big thing. So it's <laughs> a lot of religion and horror here going on. And it, it's it's, you know, something that's been one of my favorite comedy slash action adventure movies since having seen it back in the you know 99 2000 whenever it came out because i probably didn't go to the theater i probably got it as soon as it came out to video a year later so (laughs) it was cool to kind of revisit this because i haven't seen it in so long and just looking back through my my modern eyes on it and you know kind of more developed and i was an adult when i saw this but now being much more matured and almost 40 years old and kind of seeing things a little bit differently. You go, Oh yeah, this is even more clever than I realized <laughs> back then when I was watching it. Do you, do you guys do like ratings or anything? Or I, I said you guys as well. Like there was more than one. <laughs> <laughs> Me and all the past guests. Uh, I've been fiddling around with, with ratings, with a rating system of politically slanted sure, sure. rating system. Uh, I think I had court psyops try it out before but it's basically something like guillotine is hated it lame duck means ah whatever four more years is you really like it and uh president for life is the upper level of fucking awesome loved it tell everyone about it i can watch this movie forever i I don't know if you want to do that we it might kick in i don't get a lot of feedback so we can sure, skip sure. it if you want. <laughs> sure. No, I I would say, you know, on, on that sort of rating system that this would be a president for a life for me as well as uh, in, in my rating system from my show. I think I gave it like a nine out of 10 or something, which I, if I was rating it on my show, it's something that there's a few little things that you could find fault in with the movie. But overall, because of the world that you're thrown into and and the fact that everything is obviously fiction, so you can not have to take everything as as face value with this movie and just enjoy it. And so it's just something that I I find super enjoyable. One of my criticisms is that it is a little bit long and, and hefty, like I said before, where it's not something that you could just sit down and casually watch over and over again is, is one thing that if it was a you know cool hour and 37 minutes and you could throw it on and and watch it in a little bit shorter of a time i think that would be cool but then you wouldn't get some such a rich character depth with uh, a shorter runtime as well so 
And I think any movie that has to do with the Bible has to be somewhere between two and ten hours long. I mean, it's definitely it's, shorter than the Ten Commandments. It's a big book, right? <laughs> well, it's not a really big book, but... It's a pretty big book. <laughs> Depending. if you, Yeah. Well, hell yeah, man. I don't know if you had thought about this before. I always feel like I spring this on people. You know how at the end when we say, don't let them get you to the second location, don't forget to duck and cover, what message, what little voice of what little tidbit of advice would you humorously say comes from dogma or what was the thing about about mourning your religion that you had said before that oh, uh, you don't celebrate your religion you mourn it yeah some something to do with that like uh remember to celebrate more than you mourn <laughs> i guess <laughs> something like that there we go that okay. works. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. Sure, sure. And until next time, don't forget to duck and cover. Torn from the heavens.